Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We give praise and honor and glory to you. Amen. Amen. How you guys doing this morning? Good. I'm excited. I'm excited. How you guys doing on the live stream? Let us know how you guys are feeling this morning. I know this year has already been crazy, and then you throw in daylight savings time. Makes things a little weirder, but um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with you guys, and I'm excited to hear what God has to speak to us. Um, I know I was wrestling through this week just... Uh, praying, praying for you guys, and praying for what God might want to say and just encourage us um, this morning. For those that um, have been with us uh, throughout these last, I think, three weeks, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think three weeks in this series so far, uh, I am. And um, for those who maybe this is your first time checking us out, you're like, what is this series about? Let me just kind of clarify. In the Old Testament, Uh, God had revealed his name as I am, and that name was a name of just consistency, trying to encompass all that God is, his nature, his character. And so uh, we started this series talking about I am the bread of life, and that is that God is our provider. Uh, We moved on to I am the light, that God is the one who gives revelation to who we are, who God is, and uh, clarifies uh, what uh, is our purpose in the world. Like, why did God create us? All of that. Um, and eventually illuminating how we come to know uh, God through Jesus. And then we uh, moved on to I am the door. Did I get that right? I am the door, I am the gate, depending on what translation you're reading. But I am the door that Jesus is the pathway to God. That is how we enter into this relationship with God the Father is through Jesus. And today I'm excited to jump into our uh, fourth week, I am the good shepherd. And just like uh, Claire prayed, which is encouraging, because if I knew she was praying that, I probably would have used one of her sayings as one of my points, but that God directs our paths, that God directs us, right? Um, But uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited. Um, Let me pray for us one more time. I know this is, uh, you can't get enough prayer. So, uh, Father God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for the fact that you lead us, that you are a good father, that you are a good God. And God, this morning, we just want to remind us of that. We pray that you would remind us by your Holy Spirit, God, that you are a good God. And Lord, uh, let my words, God, be used to encourage your people. May they challenge us, Father, um, as you see fit, Lord, and may they just uh, produce good fruit in us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, 
like Claire read this morning, Jesus uh, starts off by saying, I am the good shepherd, right? And, and back in uh, Old Testament times, we don't have any sheep herders here, right? No? Any aspiring sheep herders? Maybe one day, Sue, I see your hand. Um, so so we, we understand that there's kind of like a little bit of a divide, right? So we're not, we're not sheep herders in any of that matter. So we may not understand these analogies up front, but there is some deep truth from this um, that Jesus uh, wants to highlight. And so um, Jesus opens up by saying that he is the good shepherd. And he says that he lays down his life for his sheep. In verse 12, he says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock scatters it. In verse 13, it says, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so the first idea for this morning that I want to present to you is that Jesus owns his sheep. And I know off the surface that doesn't sound really profound or anything, right? Jesus owns the sheep, okay? But I want you to understand that, uh, first off, we understand Jesus is God, right? Can we all confess that this morning? Right? Jesus is God. And so by virtue of the fact that he created the world, there's a sense where we understand he has authority, right? He has ownership in some way. Parents, uh, you have a sense of understanding in this. The fact that you are a parent and you've given life to your kid, kind of has a sense of authority with that. But when Jesus talks about ownership, Jesus is actually speaking of care. There's something different. When you own something, right, like if someone lends something to you, you treat it a little bit differently than when you own it yourself, right? To use the parent analogy, parents, you treat your own kids a little bit different than you treat someone else's kids, right? There's a little bit more anxiety uh, around that. There's a little bit more care and concern and a little bit more uh, love and affection that goes into that. And so when we own stuff, there's a little bit more of like, man, I, 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 I see this differently. I see the value of it differently, like, right? For those who uh, have cars, when someone jumps in your car, right, there's a certain level of, like, uh, rules that come with uh, owner, owning a car, right? So it's like, don't, uh, don't eat in my car for some, right? You're like, yo, if you're the owner, I can eat in my car, but you can't eat in, in my car, right, right? Don't get crumbs in my seat, my center console. Um, my wife hates that, by the way. Um, and don't touch my radio, right? Don't, don't mess with like ask me permission because this is my car, right? There's a level of care for your own vehicle, right? I remember um, growing up and I would go to uh, the corner store. My mom, she would send me out or my sister and she would say, hey, like, uh, Ricky, I need milk for the house. And she would send me to the corner store. She'd give me a five or a 10, depending. And um, she would always remind me because I, I love snacks and I love candy, and I still do. But she would always say, bring me back my change, right? Because, one, my mom knew I love snacks and I love candy. Um, but also, my, that was my mom's money, right? It was a little bit different. And so I'm like, mom, like, if she gave me a five, I'm like, mom, there's only, like, $2 that I'm going to come back with. Like, why does it matter so much? Right. But I didn't understand the value of money at that time. Right. I didn't understand because I didn't have money of my own. But my mom owned the money. She knew about bills. She knew about 
the money that it took to keep the house up, right? The money that it took to put food on the table and um, keep us fed and all of that. And so there was a different mindset. When you own something, it's different, right? When you own something, there's a level of care for it. Now, look what Jesus says. He says, uh, the hired hand, he's comparing this person, this hired hand. So back in those days, there would be the, the shepherd who owned the sheep, and then there would be this hired hand, the person who, while the shepherd was out, they were responsible to watch the sheep. And Jesus says, listen, like, not that there's anything wrong with hire, a hired hand per se, but the hired hand, he's not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So there's a different mindset with him. And so check this out. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And here's the reasoning. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so, again, there's a level of difference. When you own something, you care about it, right? This hired hand, he was uh, hired to oversee the sheep, but there's a limit to that, right? When, when his life is in danger, he's not, he's, he's not defending the sheep. He's like, listen, you pay me $12 an hour, that's it. Like, I'm here when everything's good and safe, I'll watch your sheep. But when danger comes and my life's in danger, I'm running away, right? But this is not how Jesus deals with sheep. This is not how Jesus deals with his people. When we are confronted with danger, whether spiritually, whether it's uh, abuse, whether it's uh, different forms of uh, trying to take us away from God, God's hand, God's relationship, Jesus is not one to run away and leave us abandoned. Jesus is one who steps in our place. And so in, in the time of uh, the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, God had appointed people to look over his people. And unfortunately, there were many who were in it for their own gain. There were many who, they were like, you know what, I'll watch your people, God. I'll teach them some theology. I will uh, make sure that they know some things. But when it came to defending them, when it came to loving them and caring for them, they were out. They were like, this is, this is not what I signed up for. This is not my heart. And Jesus says this, it's because they care nothing for the sheep. And so to contemporize it a little bit, like the hired hand in our lives is essentially anything that we entrust ourselves to, right? There are things that we as people because of society and what that uh, society has told us or what maybe we grew up thinking, there are things that we entrust ourselves to that care nothing about us. They will not hold us up in the times of trial. There are uh, ambitions that we have, right? There, there are good ambitions that we have to be a good parent, to be a good spouse, to uh, make good money so that we're financially secure, right? There are uh, ways that we uh, want to aspire to good things, but if we put our ultimate trust in those things, those things in the times of trial will not hold us up. Amen? And so Jesus here, he wants to show his people, he wants to show us and also those who would believe in him that Jesus is a place that we can find refuge. Jesus is a place that we can find uh, a, someone who actually cares about us, someone who won't run away in times of trouble, someone we can go to when there's pain in our heart in ways that other things uh, cannot. And so my encourage you this morning that you would look to Jesus as your ultimate hope and put your trust in him because he's a good shepherd.
The next idea I want to lay before you is that Jesus knows his sheep. Now, I know in, in, in our society, right, we, we like to say when we know something, there's, right, there's, uh, I likened it last night to when people post on social media. And there is a, a sense that uh, when you post something, especially when it's from a, a, maybe a scholarly article or the, uh, the Times or whatever um, newspaper article or, or site like that, there, there's a sense where people feel like they know something the minute they post it, right? There's a, there's a sense where people carry on conversations and arguments like they know something. And so we have a sense where, oh, if I've read it a little bit, if I've maybe like interacted with it a little bit, I know about that thing. There's a sense of that. Or maybe we, when, when someone asks us, oh, do you know such and such? We say, oh, yeah, I know them. But there's levels to that, right? There's a level between me uh, knowing a person, right, knowing about them, knowing facts about them, maybe encountering them once or twice and be like, oh, I know Pastor Crawford or I know uh, Tom, right? But there's a deeper sense when your family or when you're someone who is best friends with that person, right, when you're deeply connected with that person, there's a different kind of knowing, and so when Jesus says he knows his sheep, what is he talking about? He's saying, listen, I am so deeply acquainted with who you are. I'm so deeply acquainted with the things that you like, the things that you dislike, the, 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 the desires of your heart that everybody might know and the desires of your heart that nobody knows about, right? I'm acquainted with all of that. I'm the, I'm the one who sees all the good and the, the qualities that I've given you that everyone knows and celebrates you for, but I'm also the one that knows your sadness, your depression, the things in your heart that are broken, that, that no one knows and that you don't share. And I shared this last night that uh, there is a sense where that should both uh, give us a sense of humility but also a sense of encouragement because the fact that Jesus knows uh, all the things you've thought through this week, good and bad, should give you a sense of encouragement because Jesus knows everything about us and yet still loves us. I can't, I can't remember this song. Uh, Mariella, maybe you know this song. I'm not sure, but... Uh, can't remember the guy's name, but he says, at the end of the song, he says, um, all, all, I'm not even going to sing it. Uh, he says, all powerful, all wonderful, and then at the end, he switches it up. He says, you see the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. Does that ring a bell? You are amazing, God. I love that song. At the end, I, I would hear that song. Hopefully, if, if someone you know, knows it at home, and you can put that in the chat for everyone to look up later indescribable amazing song and that last part it says you see the depths of my heart and yet you love me the same that is the good shepherd he he knows the sheep he knows everything about them and so we actually we actually see this in uh earlier in the john 10 passage that i believe pastor ray touched on last week but he says this um, in John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And before that, he says that the good shepherd leads the sheep out by name. 
right? Jesus is not just doing this general call, hey, sheep, follow me. He knows everyone by name. He knows Claire. He knows Christina. He knows Darnell. Like, he knows the people who are among him and his family. And so when Jesus first came to you, Jesus knew your name. Jesus came at you individually and in some way drew you to himself and said, I love you. He calls you by name. And even still, Jesus, you are not a number in Jesus's family, in Jesus in Jesus's sheep pen, you are loved by God. He cares for you. And Jesus is intimately acquainted with what you're going through. And so there's a level of understanding that, that church, I want us to understand that when we understand this, when we uh, pray and ask God, God, I don't understand uh, the, the benefits of this, that you know me. My, my encouragement is that you would be able to entrust yourself to God. Because for some of you, I know this season has been hard. I know you're like, man, does God even see me? Does God care about what I'm going through? Does God uh, know where my, what my future holds? Is he still leading me? Is he still the good shepherd? And I, I want to say, yes, God knows your life. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't abandoned you. And there is this mutual relationship that God is desire for all of us. God knows us, but God's desire is also that we would know him. Jesus, he, he likens this relationship from Jesus, the good shepherd, and his sheep, the people that have trusted in Jesus, to the relationship that the Father and Jesus have. That in the same way the Father knows Jesus and Jesus knows the Father, there's a sense to where that is true. If you are, are a Christian, you have this one relationship with God. And it's, it, it takes time to cultivate, right? Like all of us are, are in different stages in our deep intimacy with God. But God's desire is that we would actually grow up and, and develop and understand the fullness of life that God the Father has with Jesus and that we would experience it with them together. And this is, this is what John is talking about. When, when John talks about abundant living, right? You've heard that word before. And John, right, abundant living and eternal life. This idea that John uses in the book of John is describing not just material possessions, not just heaven in the future. It's talking about satisfaction. Because recognize, right, we, we all have things that we uh, have pursued in life in some way. Right? Maybe uh, you've pursued one of your markers in life, right? And I don't know about you, but there's something about the human experience that when we pursue the things that we are, or when we achieve the things that we are pursuing, in some way, once you achieve it, there's this like feeling of like, that's it. Has anyone ever experienced that before? You've gone after it. Maybe you're like, man, my goal was to get married or my goal was to have a house or my goal was to have a family or my goal was to be successful at my job and no knock to any of those things. Those things are beautiful things. But once we've achieved those things, there's something, if, if that was what we were ultimately trusting in, that's, there's something that uh, just kind of gives way. Like this isn't enough. Right? There's something that says there's more to it than this. And, and that feeling that you feel is actually designed by God to be a pointer to Jesus. It's meant to say, yes, these things are good gifts, but these things are not ultimate. Jesus is the one that was meant to satisfy your soul. And because the Father and Jesus have always experienced this kind of relationship, this is why Jesus invites you. If you have not yet put your trust in Jesus, this is what God is inviting you into. He's saying those things you've gone after that have not satisfied you, it's actually found in a relationship with Jesus. And for those of us who have been Christians for a while, maybe 
maybe even new Christians, this is what God is ultimately getting us to. He's getting us to feel satisfied, to understand our purpose is not in what we could attain, not in what we could achieve, not in our goals, not in our uh, ultimates, right, that we've put in our lives, but it's in knowing Jesus. And those things can, can have their proper place. But it's in knowing Jesus that we experience this satisfaction. And here's, here's a challenge to you guys. Have you been and myself as well, because I've experienced this. Have you, have you been availing yourself to Jesus even in this week of those opportunities? You see, Jesus wants to speak to all of us. Jesus wants to remind us that he's actually satisfying. But are we availing ourselves to those opportunities in the morning or whatever time you have? Are you uh, getting in your word, not because it's a religious duty or an act that we have to do, but it's because God is speaking and God wants to show you more and more and more the brightness of his glory, the beauty that he has so that we would come to see it the way that uh, God the Father and Jesus clearly see it. God's like, man, I, I want, Ricky, I want you to see how satisfying I am. Ricky, I want you to see how good I am. But I, but I have to allow those opportunities to happen, right? I, God offers the relationship, but we have to avail ourselves to those opportunities. And so there are things that, man, there, there are things that are robbing us of, of our time, Right? There's things that are robbing us of affections. There's things that are robbing our, our, our thought space to be able to get into a place where we appreciate the goodness of God. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe, maybe it's Netflix. Maybe it's social media. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, just poor management of time like myself. Right? There are things that we have to adjust in our lives so that we have opportunities to be able to put our our eyes to God's word, to be able to spend time not, not frantic, not anxious, but where we could sit and actually pray with God and be settled so that we can experience this relationship with God that he offers. And so my prayer is you would make those adjustments, you would take the opportunity uh, this week and even the next few weeks to, to adjust those things. And so pray and ask God, God, what are those things? Y'all with me still? Amen, amen. Um, the last thing I, I want to convey to you this morning. So God uh, owns the sheep. That speaks of care and concern. God knows the sheep. That speaks of intimacy and connection that Jesus invites us into. And I hear, here's kind of the pinnacle of this. And all of us know this, but Jesus voluntarily dies for his sheep. John chapter 10 Verse 7 to 18 says this, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, at first glance, it, it seems weird. Maybe, maybe you didn't catch that, but Jesus actually says that God the Father commanded him to die for his sheep, to die for the people of the world. And so in our minds, right, if you've had a, a worker or a boss, I'm trying to say this right, uh, <laughs> everyone who's worked for somebody, right, and has had that relationship, there's a sense at, at certain times where if your boss tells you to do something, 
it doesn't always, it's not like on your mind to do that, right? It wasn't like you guys collaborated and say, oh, I'm willing to do this. Sometimes your boss might tell you to do something that you may not necessarily want to do, and so you do it anyway because that's the requirement. But with Jesus, it is not the same thing, right? The Father uh, commanding Jesus to go die for the sheep is one because the Father also loves the sheep. The Father also desires to bring people into his family. And so the Father, understanding that, that good desire, says to Jesus, Jesus, would you die for the sheep? And, and check this out. So how is Jesus actually desiring this of his own? Well, John 4 chapter, or John chapter 4 verse 34 says, um, Jesus had just met this woman at the well. Are you guys familiar with that story? Jesus meets this woman at the well. He doesn't eat. His disciples are like, uh, maybe we should get Jesus some food. Like, there's a, a cheesesteak place around the corner. Jesus will be back. You carry on your conversation. They come back and see Jesus talking with this woman. And they ask him, like, yo, Jesus, you know, are you hungry? Like, you know what I mean? We have food for you. And Jesus is like, he says kind of something a little bit strange. John 4, 34, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so what is Jesus saying in that? Jesus is actually saying, my greatest desire is to do what God asked me to do. So it's not Jesus begrudgingly doing what God the Father is asking him to do. Jesus is actually willing at every point with joy to do what God the Father is asking him to do. So when Jesus went out and healed, it wasn't like, man, I got to heal these people again. Like, oh, this guy's blind. I guess I got to open their eyes, right? Like, this person is, you know, can't use their right arm. I guess I got to heal them. Like, that's not Jesus' attitude. If you read the, the, the Gospels, you see Jesus joyfully healing people, joyfully going out of his way to, to take care of the pains, to nurse the sick, all of these things, because he loved doing it. He cared about sheep. He cared about his people, but he also cared about God's will. He loved doing what God the Father asked him to do. Is that our desire? Do we delight to do what God is calling us to do, or is obedience becoming more of a begrudging thing? My prayer for, for myself and all of us is that we would ask God, God, would you give me the desires of your heart? Would you teach me to love to do your will in the same way Jesus did? But Jesus loves doing what the Father asked him to do. And Jesus does not begrudgingly do what God is asking him to do in the, in the utmost sense, to die for his sheep. See, God at the beginning of the world, when Adam and Eve sinned, even knowing that God set out a plan to rescue mankind from their sins. And at that point, when there was a need, God had this plan and Jesus stepped in. And Jesus is like, this is the only way to do this. And, and God the Father is like, yes, this is the only way. And Jesus is like, I'm willing to do it because I love them. They're my creation, but, but I love them. I, I, I want to see them flourish. I want to see them know me. I want them to experience this abundant life that uh, you, uh, you, me, and the Holy Spirit have, Father. And, and so Jesus is willing to lay down his life. And to further that point, notice what Jesus says in Matthew 26, 53. When he's in the garden, right, Jesus is about to be taken away. And, and Peter thinks that he has to defend Jesus because he's like, Jesus, like, they're, they're not taking you. And, and Jesus says this, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will not at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? 
And what is that saying? That's saying that Jesus had every opportunity, guys, to leave the cross behind. Jesus had every opportunity to say, listen, look, I'm powerful. Like, if no, no one's taking me, right? Like, no one's, no one's making me die on the cross. No one's uh, pushing me against my will to do this. No one's, uh, you know, putting a bag over my head and throwing me in a white van. Like, I know this is happening. I know the need of my people. I know the need of those who are not yet my people, but I desire to become my people. He says, I know their need, and so I'm willing to do this. When Jesus was on the cross, at any point in time, Jesus could have called down angels and said, look, I'm done. This is, they're hurling insults at me. This pain is too much. I'm out of here. Like, God, let's, let's, let's wrap it up, right? But Jesus doesn't. And why? Because he cares for his sheep. He cares for even those who, hey, maybe you're watching this and you're like, I don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus came to the world for you. Jesus didn't get off the cross for you. Jesus didn't allow the, the plan to be stopped because he loves you and he cares for you. And his desire for you is to know him deeply. And so my hope in understanding that is that you would understand that whatever season you're in, whatever you're going through, that there is someone you can put your trust in ultimately. Because there is someone who is not the hired hand that is willing to die for you, that is willing to stand in the gap when you are struggling. I can remember um, earlier on around my high school age, I was extremely um, depressed. I had... Uh, various things going on in my life and struggled understanding my identity and uh, just like who God was. And I, I just remember those seasons being really dark. And yet I can remember that uh, in those moments, God sent people to encourage me. He gave me friends. He gave me uh, family. He gave me, uh, for, for whatever reason, I can't remember all the right situations, but I can remember Jesus sent the right people at the right time. He sent the right verses. He sent the right moments of encouragement for me so that I would know that he was there, that he hadn't abandoned me. Because in my mind, I was like, God, I'm a Christian. I don't know why I'm going through this. What's going on in my life? Like, I, I you know, are you still good? Like, what is going on? And, and I can remember God uh, leading me, as Claire mentioned in her prayer, I can remember God leading me to those places of understanding that God, that God was still there, that I'm still with you. And so maybe you're here today, maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationship with God, or maybe you're just dissatisfied. Maybe you don't know God or, or have a relationship with Jesus, but you're sensing a deep sadness, deep satisfaction, dissatisfaction. My prayer is that you would go to God and say, God, fill me. God, would you, would you satisfy me? Would you help me to understand who you are? Would you help me to understand that you are the good shepherd? God, I see this before you. You own the sheep. You care about them. God, I understand that you know me. God, I understand that you were willing to die for me, but God, would you by your Holy Spirit make those things real in my life? God, would you help me to relinquish control from the things that I'm trying to be satisfied by? And God, would you fill me with yourself? And maybe it's just been a difficult season. It's hard, and you're wondering, God, would you, are you still leading me in this? My, my answer to you is there, there are things that maybe God has to redirect in your life, right? Just because things are, are uh, 
dissatisfying or things are not going your way, there are moments where God has to redirect our path because we've at times veered off the path, right? The Bible uh, likens us to sheep because sheep wander, amen? Sheep are constantly in this state where they listen at times, but then slowly they see some patch of grass over here and they begin to veer off. And so God sometimes uh, to, needs to redirect our path back to him. And so there might be some things as you're praying this week that God is saying, listen, this has to be redirected. This has to change. And he does it because he loves us, right? Because God wants good for us. The shepherd who sees the sheep veer off, yo, that grass might look good, but this is where you're going to find life. This is where you're going to find satisfaction. This is where safety is. And if we don't listen to that, then we begin to veer off and, and we feel that dissatisfaction. We feel that disconnect. And so allow God to speak to you and, and reconnect you back to him. But know that God always is leading. God is always directing your life. And so would you trust in him? This week and always. This passage is near and dear to my heart. And um, as the worship team uh, comes up and uh, we close, I, this, this verse has been so near and dear to my heart. But I pray that uh, God uh, applies this to your heart deeply and it encourages you this morning. Romans 8 verse 31 to 32, it says this. And this is in light of what Jesus has done. He's called us. He's predestined us. He's chosen us to be his sheep and his, his sons and daughters, his sheep that he cares for. He says this in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? All of these great promises, all of these great things. If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me say that again. If God is for us, who can be against us? What can be against us? What situation, what sin, what depression, what bad uh, kind of season that you're in, what can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And so listen, like, if Jesus, if God did not spare his most prized possession for us, right? If God did not hold back the thing that he loved the most, then won't God redirect us? Won't God uh, change us? If we're in a season of sin or whatever we're going through, don't you think that God, if he gave up his own son, God knows how to uh, change us and transform us, to redirect us, to connect us back to, to God's heart again, right? Do you think God has forgotten about the plans that he has for your life? If he gave Jesus his only son to die for you, do you think God somehow is like reneging on his promises? And so my encouragement is that you would see that, that if God was willing to give up his most prized possession as the good, the good shepherd that he is, the good shepherd that Jesus is, and Jesus was willing to do it for you, then man, God, God is continuing to lead you. God will continue to lead you. God will continue to satisfy your heart. And so my prayer this morning is that we would entrust ourselves to the good shepherd that will lead and direct our path. Amen. Let's uh, pray. Father God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you that you lead us, God. God, I know this year for many, Father, has, has felt like 
just dark and sad and uh, at times joyful in different ways, Father, but there have been moments of confusion, God. There have been moments, Father, of uh, not understanding, God, what you're doing, God, and some of that has been us, God. Forgive us, God, of trusting in our own efforts, God. Forgive us for trusting in our own goals and aspirations. Forgive us for trusting in things that can't hold us up, God. Like the hired hand, they will run away, Father, and just like the hired hand, they won't care about us, God. They won't hold us up, but God, God, you are the good shepherd and you keep us, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, God, wherever we're at, whatever season we're in, God, that you would remind us of your faithfulness, God. You would remind us of your care for your sheep, God. And that you would remind us, God, that if you uh, did not uh, withhold your own life for us, God, then, then, God, won't you lead us? God, won't you still direct our path? God, won't you still fulfill the promises to make us look like your son and to lead us into uh, flourishing and abundant life and satisfaction? God, this is your plan. And you don't abandon your plan, God. And more importantly, you don't abandon your people. And God, for those who may not know you, I pray that you would draw them. You said in John that you draw them. You draw other sheep that are not from your pen. You draw other people who don't know you, God, to experience this joy. And, Father, we would experience this as one family. And so, Father, I pray that you would do that, God, even through this live stream and even through uh, anyone hearing this later on, God, that you would draw them to understand that you are good and that you will lead them, God, and you will satisfy them. And so, God, fix our gaze on you alone. God, fix our trust and our hearts in you. Set them on you, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.